welcome back to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Today, I am joined by Melissa Yaleid, who is the Director of Growth and Development at Meat Restaurants. Melissa, how are you today? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic, thank you. Gorgeous day, and I'm happy to be uh, chatting with you today. Oh yeah, it's perfect Monday for this. I'm excited to be here. That's awesome. So um, as a way of getting started, can you tell people a little bit about yourself and a little bit about a, a background of, of you as well as meat restaurants? Yeah. So, you know, I've been in the recruitment HR industry for a couple of years now. I have a communications background originally, and then I kind of just fell into, you know, the human resource industry just because I love people and I love connecting. And then I recently, uh, I've been joining the team of Meat Restaurants. We are a restaurant chain in Vancouver that's been expanding. We opened in 2015 and we have about three restaurants. Uh, so far, we actually just locked into a commissary and we're looking into growth in the next couple of years. So excited to be a part of something pretty awesome. <laughs> that's fantastic. And by the time this podcast will air, I'm sure there will be a couple more restaurants locked and loaded, but we won't talk about that because we don't want to release your secret sauce yet. But I know there's a lot of growth <laughs> uh, going on, and that's why they, they brought you onto the team because, the, by the way, it's spelled M-E-E-T, restaurants, if anybody's interested when you come to Vancouver. But yeah, I, uh, yeah. bringing you on to the team. all vegan restaurant, so it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a joke, you know, M-E-E-T, not M-E-A-T. So. <laughs> <laughs> I got that. That's awesome. So uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast today is, you know, obviously bringing this restaurant chain and this restaurant concept to the city requires a lot of coordination, takes a lot of growth, but also because of your background in people development, in hiring and, and work that has taken you from, you know, the West Coast of Canada to Australia as well and recognizing the differences in culture there. So the first question I can ask you is, you know, what are some of the best practices that you use when you're hiring people and when you're looking to develop culture either in this organization or in other organizations? Yeah, the, the biggest thing I find right away when working with clients and, you know, finding what the end result and goal is of what the morale and what they're looking for to grow their company is that I always ask the client, what is the company's goal? Where do you see yourself in five years? What values? What motivates you? What do you find you receptive to? It's just it's really breaking down. Yeah, you can have an image of an uh, individual to work for your company or, you know, the backgrounds of, uh, you know, schooling background, which, you know, it definitely helps. However, if you sit down, you really, you know, make it as simple as possible. Close your eyes and what do you see in the next five years? It kind of helps the hiring manager and the whole purpose kind of in a different direction because usually you have all the credentials, you know, like you have this diploma, you have this degree, you have this, 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 and this. But at the end of the day, you can, you can teach an individual anything, but you can't teach, you can't change their personality, you can't change their growth, you can't change their wants to motivate themselves. So that's where I've kind of helped switch the, my attack on finding the right candidates for people and that will go over any anywhere you live at the end of the day it's the person you want it has to match the values of the company 100 percent. so it's kind of nice when we have that talk um and so that's where i kind of start that's my starting ground with people when we're looking to hire up some new people 
Got that. And so, you know, within the context of what you're taking on at Mead and you've taken on in the past, you know, you're really the driver of the change. So based on our conversations that we've had before, I know that you have a little bit of the business side, you have a little bit of the people side, you have a little bit of the recruitment side. And then for those of you listening at home, if you're a manager, a a CEO, or somebody in the HR role, Melissa and you may have a lot of overlap because Melissa's responsibility within the organization now and in the past has been to execute on the strategy. So a lot of the strategic stuff from a people side, Melissa's responsible for and then or has been responsible for. And then Melissa, what I hear you're saying is before you can even execute on the plan and execute on the people vision, you need to have that conversation with the CEO, with the leadership to get really clear about what that looks like before you can start running forward. Is that right? hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's really important too, because I find that step gets missed a lot because the strategy is rushed. They push it off, push it off. And then they're the next thing they know they're in a rush to find staff when they don't even know what kind of staff they're looking for. So it's kind of getting ahead of the game and being working with, I try to work with them for almost my goal sometimes three to six months before we even start hiring just to really get a grasp of what we're looking for. Right. Mm. So that's kind of where I start. So yeah, hundred percent. Got that. Okay. So, I mean, you, you alluded to one of them, but if I say, if I ask you, you know, what are your two to three best practices for leading strategy? You know, one of the ones that I heard and what you just said was plan before you act and not the other way around to make sure that yeah, you have that. But I mean, for you personally, not taking that one off your list, hopefully, but what are your, your two to three best practices for actually leading the strategy with a team? So really being organized, getting everyone, setting people up to, you know, one of the things I know is they right, right, with we start with new restaurants, is like making sure the candidates are being heard, making sure we're following up, making sure we have leading the strategy. So lead by example. So if we're going to hire people, make sure we're with them every step of the way and we're checking in and we're, you know, getting really to know them really well, putting them on for trials and also putting them around, um, almost still training them in all aspects of the company. I find that people feel a little bit when we're leading the strategy. So, Okay, they, they could be in this department, but let's try them out. Let's try them a couple of weeks in the other department. So they get the groove of how mechanically the, the industry works and where they're working at. So they're not just in one area. So they have a better idea of how mechanically it works. And then they kind of feel a little bit more involved with the company. So that's something that I've been working with a lot of times too. So that's also a leading strategy. And just keeping in communication with everyone, right? Getting that designated person that communicates really, really with all the management team, the hiring team, and the new employees. Just communication is so key, and I think it gets skipped a lot. Hmm. So, Again, you know, we're always trying to share, like, best practices, actionable things on the podcast. Is there something that, that you have found in your, in your work career that has been valuable in terms of, like, something practically you can take for listening to people? And, and, you know, making sure that you have those communication lines open, whether that's meetings or surveys or phone calls. or Yeah. Yeah, we do surveys probably once a month to all houses if we've implemented a new policy. And then, honestly, like, I, as much as tedious as it is, I sit down with each of the restaurant staff probably once a month, checking in. Even if it's a five-minute check-in, people really like that. And then we have an action plan. So we have a template that I made that shows weaknesses, strengths, 
moving forward. Like, oh, you know, but letting them come to me and let us connect and then I implement it and I really train the people in my role to you've got to be organized even if it's being heard at email. So that's definitely an action that I think is really missed in a lot of companies is that as much as people think, oh, less, you know, we don't want to bother our staff, a check five-minute check-in, even if someone has to have an action plan taken, that's really important. So taking that time to understand your staff and then finding the right person to focus on the staff, even if, like, luckily we don't have, we only have about 300 employees, I could do it all on my own, but I find that a lot of people don't take the time to to take time to listen to their staff and that's the biggest thing make a template get a template going on designate a person sit down with that person and really show the understanding that you have to sit down with your staff at all times even if it's once a month for five minutes a day write write it out get an action plan give them a goal and then follow up in the next couple weeks everyone wants a goal everyone wants to work towards something even if it's mental i mean it's personal or work related something it's just you gotta you gotta communicate that way with them that they're valued and so it's that's something i always take for an action step for sure Hmm. can we just take a quick step back and you can maybe like uh, slowly outline what you have in terms of that individual action plan you know you you outlined strengths and weaknesses you know what other things that are included in that action plan that that our leaders can maybe take home and borrow from you yeah so i think i you know actually the strengths and weaknesses and then i do we kind of then i bring up three of their goals that they told expressed to me a month a couple months ago so i take each goal that we have in our check-ins and I say, these are three goals. How do you feel about them? Anything you can take from, what can I help with you with? What can I work with you with? Then after that, we say, what can I help you with? And then we also have a survey that I give to them for any new policies. So they said, I give them five minutes to the survey. And then after that, it's, I also I don't like to send out the survey because sometimes it's going to, it's only about three or four questions. And then I see how they are, if they're going to be, if they're nervous or not nervous. And I kind of am is able to have a more of a connection. And then we go through new goals and we go through what they're frustrated with. And then we wrap it up in one actual goal together. And okay, in two weeks, you're going to, what do you want to accomplish? What can I help you accomplish something? So it could be, honestly, it could be a fitness goal. It could be a work goal. It could be something, but it kind of just brings your morale is your staff but it just makes it so much higher so then two weeks we meet up again being like did you accomplish your goal and if they didn't we kind of walk through why what's going on what struggles and it just starts to implement over time that they get way more motivated because on paper it's written down and it just helps the person grow right and develop their skills if it's procrastination why did what what procrastinated you and it just kind of helps the morale it's a little bit of work but it, it it really pays off right so that's what I do with my staff. That's awesome. So you got strengths, weaknesses, top three personal goals, do a survey mm-hmm. on new policies that come in, three to four questions, do it in person so you can see how they're reacting to it and, and what their yeah. concerns are, ask them what they're frustrated mm-hmm. about, and then one clear, actionable goal for the immediate term. Yeah. And it's good because I find people, no one, you know, unfortunately with our generation, everyone's on their phone or over email. But also, it's nice for their personal social skills to meet with someone on one to talk. Like, let's talk about your weaknesses. Let's be vulnerable. And I really laid on the line too that I find it's been really successful. Once you face to face, is hands down the 
best strategy I can offer any company. No email, no nothing. It takes, it works so much better over face-to-face and it just helps because at the end of the day, we're people. We, we need human interaction. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, for sure. And I know that the whole one thing that stuck out to me and, and I don't know if our listeners caught it as well and like, oh yeah, I meet with everybody one-on-one. We only have, you know, about 300 employees, so no big deal. You know, I know a lot of organizations <laughs> that, that would say, oh my gosh, like there are, you know, 20, 30, 40 people and they find it hard to yeah. make the time or make it a priority. And, you know, whether that's yeah. you as the leader doing it or somebody on the HR yeah. team doing it. But if you are, and it sounds like this has really paid dividends for you and your team and in your experience, but if you're investing the time in your people, it's going to pay off or going to get a huge return compared to saying, oh, how do I motivate people? Maybe I'm going to give them bonuses. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm going to give them more money. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to cost money. It's still, there's still an investment because your time is money. But mm-hmm. giving people something to work towards that's personalized, individualized, and just in time, what they need right now, not something that was, oh, a survey they did three months ago when then you're, you know, following up on it. It's what do you need right now and how can I support you with this over the next two weeks will yeah. really push your organization forward. The reason I feel too is another actual goal is that if you are finding your staff is turnover, it's also doing the right resources, right? So sometimes I reach out, people reach out, human resource specialists and sometimes managers coming to me all the time like I don't understand why I'm not keeping staff oh uh what's going on and you know it's just not knowing but it costs more money to buy new staff than to work on staff so you know it's just really knowing your resources and investing so other than that that's really I think it's the biggest one absolutely and it sounds like again what has helped you in that process maintain those staff engaging them is like you said being yeah. organized having a template having a system and it, it doesn't have to take uh, yeah. a huge amount of time it actually does not it's so funny how when i first started i was like this is going to take me forever like you don't have your your check-ins are less time because if you wait too long they've already made honestly one of the biggest thing i've learned is that you people will make a bad a small situation into the worst situation if you make if you last too long so that so another actual goal is that if they don't have time to meet somebody, make sure you contact them face to face. Say, hey, we're can we reschedule for this time? Because it's the less the more you wait, you already lost them. It takes two minutes to lose somebody, and you have to make sure you maintain that, or it won't work. Yeah, absolutely. So so my challenge to people listening to the podcast is find five minutes to meet with each one of your staff members or high level people and really, you know, do that check in, check in what their goals are, check in on what they need and create a system and a template for them that you can work and and build towards. The other thing, Melissa, that I want to make sure we didn't miss as part of your, you know, two best practices. One was candidates being heard. But the other one was involved cross-training and allowing people to see how the entire organization works as a system instead of just mm-hmm. their one role. Do you find that that yeah. allows them to you know, be more connected to how their work affects the, uh, the company as a whole? A hundred percent. I've worked with many companies that are smaller, right? Like let's say a logistics companies I've worked with. And logistics are really, every department is mechanical to how the company is going to be successful. So... If sometimes, you know, I had a manager come to me one day and he said, this isn't working. My accounting team doesn't like my customer service team. And it's because they just don't, and it's hard because you just don't understand, right? So I implemented a strategy 
to cross training. So I actually, this is another actual goal. I, it's a template too. So when they first start uh, to not to do the work, so you, you know, numbers are a specialty for some people. They're not mine uh, at all. However, when you first start once a month, you work in the section of an accounting team. You work in the section of customer service. You work in the section of the sales. You obviously can't do all their work, but you get to know them. You get to know their struggles and you just sit with them. So if it's not open then, then you work with them closely and you said, okay. And then you also, after that week, you sit and you go and have a coffee with them. You're like, you know, I've noticed this, this, and this. How can I make it better? And you put it in their court. You help organize it. But after that trial of working in that other area, they go for lunch or go for a coffee or whatever they know. And they get to know each other. And then it's just that morale once again. Like, okay, I'm frustrated with the accounting part, but now I have a better understanding of why I'm frustrated, why they're frustrated, and I'm going to work it out before it, starts, before it gets worse, right? Because mm. it helps show how the whole business works, and it helps them get motivated to, okay, well, if we did this, and then a better idea is happening. And that's also something that I make them check in, not often, but every six months, people do rounds of switching where they sit or how they work or a coffee with each department. It's just making that system known, right? Getting excited, being the reminder. But it's so important to cross-train, mm. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like a lot of the approach to it, like one, it's building culture. Two, it's a building and understanding. But also, you know, the, the cross-pollination. And I'm going to say putting out fires, but being proactive and ensuring that your employees have something yeah. new and engaging to do all the time. It's not just business mm-hmm. as usual. And it sounds like it makes a big difference in there. Yeah. Experience. And people love it too. And I just think too, um, when I make, so what we used to, when I first implemented it, it was like a draw, it's pulling out of a hat kind of thing, right? Being okay, Debbie, you're from accounting. You're going to go for lunch today with the warehouse manager or whatever it works. But it just, it, it was crazy how, I didn't know if it was going to work or not. I, I didn't know if that was going to happen, but it just, it just helps everyone understand why they're all here. Why we need this person. Why we need that accounting. Why we need. you know, even the janitor, why everything needs to work. And I'm like, I keep saying I'm here face to face. You can text someone, give someone a call, but you don't know who they are and why they struggle. And, and, you know, you want to, that's the biggest thing. So that's another strategy and action plan. Every six months I get around and everyone just goes and it was a different section, different areas, different places of work. Right. So they understand what they like and what they don't like about their position, even for their own self-growth, right? And then we have a check-in and we talk about different goals. And it's crazy how different their goals get and how grow, how much more developed they want to be in their role or if they want to switch or realize they're actually more strong in their area. And then you work with that individual to grow your company. The longer you have an employee, the better your company will, the, your company will be stronger, I got that. So for those of you that are looking for opportunities to do team building, you know, of course, we, you know, we facilitate meeting, we don't facilitate team building meetings, but based on what Melissa's sharing, you know, here's an opportunity for you to take on something on a day to day basis, again, for the cost of a lunch that does team building in a really meaningful way and not just a hyped up exercise where the benefits of it may be lost. After that, it's something ongoingly a process that you can repeat and really yeah. get people collaborating together. So, I think at the end of the day, my biggest philosophy that I tell people is that we've forgotten that your employees are people, right? You get lost in the competitiveness of keeping the business alive and matching the numbers, but you know your company needs 
people to work it, if that makes sense. So I, you know, I kind of, a so- I do a softer approach of how it is, right? Yeah, no, I totally got that. So within all of that, it sounds like you're a proponent of testing and trying new things. I mean, have there any been any exercises that you have done that didn't work? Or what are some risks that you might suggest to avoid in the planning process as you're building this strategy? Anything that you would say, hey, don't do this, or this is what I've tried and it, what didn't work? Or You know, everything comes to the reason I love uh, human resource is that you know, you can't predict your day. You can't predict how people are going to feel that day. You can't predict how people are going to react that day. You're not going to, you can't predict much. You know, you can definitely, you know, there's such a understanding of you are dealing with people. So of course, there's been sometimes where, you know, I organized something and someone said, you're pushing me too hard. This is too much. And you get some backlash. You know, it's everything. Every day is a learning, but nothing super bad has happened. Uh, it's just, like I keep saying, at the end of the day, being organized and knowing your audience and knowing your staff, I've learned that obviously not every staff is as open to wanting to grow the business. Some people like to just stay behind and do their, to be quiet, go to work nine, Monday to Friday, nine to five, but it, it's pushing them in the right way, if that makes sense. But that, those one-on-ones are important because then you get to know your staff. Okay, Bob does not like to do a lot of social events. I'm not going to push him too hard. I'll just offer it to him, but not be like, this is mandatory because at the end of the day, it isn't mandatory to go for lunch with whoever we plan, but it is mandatory to have your good check-ins and good one-on-ones and understand the purpose of why he doesn't want to do those. If it's just maybe a social anxiety thing, but I don't think I actually have really that many bad experience with my new policies and strategies. (laughs) So it seems that people want to be heard, right? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that you were, as you were saying, you know, you can't plan your day and you can't have everything go a certain way. Uh, I recently watched the movie Jurassic World. And one of the th- I watched that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really? Okay. So you might understand what I'm about to, to share. So the as part of the beginning of the movie, the lady, the main person in it, is really trying to control everything, have everything under control, and then like throughout the movie, and no spoilers here, she realizes that things aren't really all controllable, that they work in an ecosystem and everything has its place and its thing. And it's about having equilibrium with the system. And you can't control everything, but you can support the equilibrium and the balance of everything, you know, sort of working out as it should. And it sounds like your policies are not about controlling, but really about having the equilibrium and have everything balanced and work together in a a cooperative system. And that's where I've learned, and I'm so grateful that I have my communication background because I really, I don't know if you're going to the communication background, it's because it's all about understanding people, understanding how it works. And I think, you know, I'm not, and this is no bad dash to how some corporate human resource are, but, you know, people have this conception that human resource and recruiters are these sales driven, crazy, I don't care about your feelings, I don't care about your growth you know, an industry and that's, you know, I'm trying to kind of switch it up a little bit. You know, okay. I understand you mean HR unfortunately does have to do some not so friendly things if, you know, we do have to do the firing, but I find that firing is just so easy in the last couple of years. And so my goal is to have people invest in their employees, invest in what's working, what's not working, just work with them, not throw them out. And so it's a softer, you can't plan your day according to dealing with people, but you can have an open mind and have the right tools to 
hopefully work with the people to help them grow and be successful. I totally got that. Well, of themes I took out from what you shared, you know, having the cross collaboration, have candidates being heard, and then training them and being organized on the system and putting repeatable processes in place such that the HR and people function doesn't take a lot of time, but still produces a huge amount of profit. So. And then once you, like I said, once you get it down packed and you know your staff, it's almost not, it's like, oh, I don't have to, it's not like more of a draining meeting. They're excited to meet with you. You have a quick chat, you write it down, sign it, and it's happy days. And like I said, not every day is like that, but majority. So, you know, I hope that you learn that it's nothing against you personally. You just have to ride the waves with working with them. So. That's awesome. That's totally true. So, uh, Melissa, how can people get a hold of you or how can they uh, visit uh, meet restaurants when they come to Vancouver? Yeah, so we have three locations. We have one in Yaletown, one in Gastown, and one in Main Street. Uh, you can get a hold of me by my email or even my contact details. I could put your LinkedIn profile or something uh, on the yeah. blog. So. I'm on LinkedIn all the time, so reach out to me. I love it. Even if people want to come and connect and let me know they're coming in, I can get them a table and we can connect and see how's it going. I'm, I'm always interested in meeting new people. So <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Melissa. So I've been chatting mm-hmm. with Melissa Yelade, who is the Director of Growth and Development at Meat Restaurants here in Vancouver. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you so much for joining us on the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider rating us five stars on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and be sure to send the podcast with somebody in your network. Once again, my name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and until next time.